You're listening to the news and why it matters on demand. This is the news and why, 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 why it matters. Hey, I'm Sarah Gonzalez. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Uh, really quickly, we have Andrew Heaton is back. Yay. Yes. Hey. And then we have Graham Allen. Yes. Yay. All right. Graham Allen, CRTV, Grant <clears throat> Nation. Correct. Go find him there. It's really good stuff. Uh, Stu, what is the top story for you? Uh, the election is apparently tomorrow. We should talk about it. What? Oh. Yes. Tomorrow? We? I think we should talk Are about you sure? it. Mm-hmm. What it's not it? important, though. It's not that important. We would be the only ones. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I should Good register point. to vote. Yeah. <laughs> I should register so to vote. Time. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Too, too late for the way back. <laughs> Jason. Uh, the sweet sounds of sanctions, they are popping. And I'll tell mm. you what that means. Oh, all right. Sanction again. Okay, Andrew. <laughs> the two-party system is largely an illusion. I'm going to peel that back. Okay. Ooh. And Graham. I want to talk about SNL attacking a wounded veteran. Mm. All right. Okay. A lot to get into. want to thank our sponsor, Brickhouse. Uh, Stu got like negative two hours of sleep mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. night. That's true. Did you take your dawn to dusk? Uh, I did not because I did not have it with me, which was a wow, huge mistake. That was so a big mistake. So I'm struggling today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say we were on tour this past week and, um, and there, there were no vegetables uh, to be seen. They did not exist. Really? This is why the Field of Greens thing is, is, a, good, is a good call, I yeah. will say. Because you can just put it in anything and, just, and get your actual vegetables and you can actually have some healthy stuff. You can mix it in with like the Monte Cristo sandwich or giant grilled cheese that you have. If you're thinking for a second that Field of Greens somehow canceled out all I'm of the junk you had on tour, I don't think that's true. I feel like it did. I feel works. like it did yeah. cancel it out. It was a healthy sure Monte Cristo sandwich that you added it I'm to. I'm sure, right? You're fine. That's However, I, well, I don't recommend putting it on top of a Monte Cristo sandwich, <laughs> but I do recommend mixing one full scoop in uh, water or milk or a smoothie. Uh, and juice. you get, yes, juice. You get one, one full serving of organic fruits and vegetables. It's delicious. And then men, your wives don't have to nag you to eat your vegetables. So it's a win-win. Or your Sarah's. Or your Sarah's. <laughs> you can go to brickhouseblaze.com. Use promo code GREENS for 15% off of your first order. Or you can text GREENS to 41411. Stu, election update. We just did an election update. If yes. you happen to see this, if uh, you can go back and watch it. We weren't watching. We I, didn't. We don't you. watch you. I appreciate that. I filled in for Glenn. And we <laughs> I did saw the, you. The election preview. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. Um, and we have a lot of election coverage uh, tomorrow, which we're all here for, right? You guys yes. are all, we're all yep. here for this. Yes. It's going to be a fun night. Um, um, but we're looking at what where we stand right now. You know, there we could see anything from you know a real. There there is a scenario where the Democrats do really well in this thing and could theoretically take both uh, House and Senate. Pretty unlikely they're going to take the Senate. I think the same thing goes for Republicans to take the House. I mean, it's not incredibly likely, but both are all re- realistic possibilities. Um, going through the Senate, I think, is is, is particularly interesting because you know if you think Cruz holds on in Texas, which I got to feel he does. I mean, I, I you know I'm just not a Bob Franco Rourke guy, but uh, I do think he'll probably hold that. Uh, and I think Blackburn will probably win Tennessee. Now, they're both favorites in those races. If those two things happen, you have the Senate control for Republicans. That's how, that's how simple it is for Republicans. Their math is awesome. This is yeah. the best math I've ever seen for any party in a Senate election. They start without, any, without anybody being elected, just people who are you know in their seats without... Uh, any uh, anything going on, 42-23 advantage for Republicans to start the night. Now, of course, there's a lot of state, like Bernie Sanders-type races where right. they're definitely going to win and pick up seats there. Uh, but it's pretty hard for them to get to, 50, to 51. Uh, it, it, they, can get to, they can get to 49, but that means sweeping all of these toss-up races, like Arizona, which I don't think, I think a Republican's going to win in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's a good chance, uh, you know, Republican wins in Missouri as well. I think Holly has a good chance there. Um, you know, 
Nevada, Florida, uh, you know, uh, Montana is a possibility for Republicans to pick up. They've got, I mean, they could get as high as I think 56 or 57 in a best case scenario. Um, but my gut says it's probably a 52 or 53 type of uh, seat situation for Republicans. As far as the House goes, it's the opposite. I mean, the math is completely stacked the opposite way, uh, where it, within, in the House there are um, about 30 toss-up seats that are right in, in the middle here. Um, and Democrats have to win eight of them to take, this, to take the House. That's a real oversimplification. We all know that both sides will pick off a couple right. of weird ones that we're not seeing. But that's generally the, 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 what we're looking at here. And are most of them leading in those polls? Um, they're, those are like pure toss-ups. You know, within one point could go either way. Mm. Um, so, you know, the Republicans can win those toss-up races, right? Like, if they can just win toss-up races, if they can win a couple, pick off a couple of races where they're down by two or three points, Republicans don't need to win races where they're down by 10 or 12. That's, it's, not like, it's not like a desperation situation. But, you know, you just find that over... You're watching these elections, there's always a few that you don't expect. There's always a few that you should win that you don't. And for them to, to be that consistent over an entire night really will probably only happen if there's a very consistent polling error in their favor. Um, you know, I kind of hope that there is, because I would much rather have them have control than Democrats. Um, but it's not necessarily something that y- you can expect. I think uh, it's about a people. The experts seem to think it's about a 15 percent chance for either one to happen. Democrats to take the Senate or Republicans to control the House. And I think that's kind of the state of affairs. There's a lot of intrigue, I think, on individual races kind of mixed in there, as well as you know when we go to the governor. I think in Georgia is going to be really interesting to watch. But I think you get those those early states. and We'll do this tomorrow. We'll have a bunch of kind of key races that will give us a sense of what the climate is. You never know until those votes start coming in, like yeah. what the climate is of that night. We watched in 2016 when those first races started coming oh, we're through. We're going to be wrapped up at 6 p.m. Yeah, unbelievable to watch. It seemed that you know, Sarah. I remember you being there, and, and, and we're watching this, and <laughs> as people are like. They're like, oh, you know, there was like that a moment where it was like, oh, this Trump thing isn't happening. Where do we go from here? Where does the where do Republicans go from here? And we're looking right. at the board. And I'm like, he hasn't lost any of the states <laughs> yeah. that he needed to lose for this to be over. We just yeah. going, okay, we'll wait for it. Well, wait, wait for it. It's going to happen. We'll wait for it. Oh, Which state? Yeah. yeah. One of my yeah. best memories was Leon because he's like the numbers guy. He's like, calm down, calm down. It <laughs> always works this way in Florida. You give it to this time here, and then you'll see that they're, they're taking it. And he was like. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we all had huh. our. Yeah. It was an amazing thing to watch, and, and you didn't know that. I mean, the polling didn't show that. You had there's this like, is an environment, right? Like, polling could kind of tell you what would happen in a certain environment. So if the environment is going to be a very pro Republican environment, you can kind of see these things playing out, and it'll be very good. You could see early on if you see like Joe Manchin winning by ten or twelve points if he holds that into a big lead in West Virginia. If you see you know uh, Florida going to Nelson pretty easily by five or six, that's this type of environment where you could see a, ch- a challenge at that Republican Senate. But it's a it's a heavy lift for them. Does it does it really matter if Democrats take the House? I mean, Republicans have had yeah. the House; they've done nothing with it. Yeah, that's what I was curious. Well, about. And, and then also, well. but and then can I but also? Then they're going to target Trump. Yeah. So that's the one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is, Stu, is impeachment a probability at that point? I mean, uh, I think they, they can't controlling the House by a couple of seats. There's not. It's it's going to be tough to find the appetite. I think for impeachment, yeah. you're yeah. going to need to. You're, they're going to need to have a big night. If they have a big night, they win. Like there's a good in the rel, in the realm of uh, possibilities. It ranges. You know, the the most likely uh, possibilities um, range from Republicans winning the House by one seat to Democrats holding it by 71 seats. 
all of the like you're playing they're playing and democrats are playing on plus territory right they're on the they're on the right side of the field here so the circumstances could play out that way if they get to 60 70 seats if there's a blue wave type of election i think for sure the impeachment stuff will go on if they're like have there been that many that have actually declared they're in favor of impeachment? I don't know the exact numbers. I mean, they're going to get the most volume. Like, yeah. you know, Maxine Waters is going to yes. get more attention than the other people. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that an effect from, from an autistic libertarian perspective <laughs> that you get... Um, you said it, not us. Yeah, yeah. I'll just sit next to you. <laughs> <laughs> only time, the only time we ever get a slowdown in the, the spending of growth is when there's a divided Congress with the White House. Um, if, if there's all the same party in the White House sure. and in Congress every time, sadly um, true, they just bla- uh, for Republicans they're going to blow a lot more money on their programs that they like, uh, defense and everything else. Democrats, same thing. The only time they ever just just slow it is when it's divided. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think uh, Gary Johnson has a chance at all? I know you're excited. I, about I think this he'll come in second. I don't know that he'll take it. I hope he does, though. In I would Mexico. be very, very he's competitive. He he, yeah. I mean, he's going to have the highest percentage of any libertarian, I'm sure, countrywide. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Jason, sanctions. Yes. So the sanctions were reimposed today. The, actually, the hardest hit ones on Iran. There was a few more like a few months ago, but the like hardest, the most impactful just snapped back into effect today. Those include all of the, uh, the sanctions on their oil and gas sectors, um, their banking. I mean, this is like hardcore stuff. Not only were all the sanctions that we rescinded from, you know, back during the JCPOA, but uh, they also snapped in 300 additional entities, people, stuff like that. So this is, this is the hardest sanction package that, that I think we've ever had on Iran. And it's, it's, it's just kind of, it's, well, okay, so a few more details about that. So we did exclude, I think, eight, eight countries from fully saying you cannot, you know, buy Iranian uh, oil and gas. Um, some of those are like China, India, places that like got most of their, their oil from Iran. Um, but supposedly we're giving them a certain amount of time to scale that back, you know, over time so they can wean themselves off. Some say some people have said that we've actually made deals with China to say you're going to take more oil from us. So it could be good. The, the, the problem is that we don't even really know the, you know, the actual you know, the details of, of, of that agreement. So that could happen. That might not happen. Who knows? The majority of the world has jumped on. Uh, we've already uh, restricted their uh, barrels per, per day to uh, 1 million barrels per day, which is pretty significant. I think they only produce about 3 million barrels per day right now. So a million is a huge chunk off their pocketbook, and that's only going to keep, you know, uh, adding up. Um, one of the things on this, is, which is interesting to me, is they say that... Um, they said that the world will never be able to get the sanctions uh, that we did have if if we you know just cut the uh, you know scrap the deal and moved on. They, you know that that was one of Obama's administration's yeah. biggest talking yeah. points. Yeah. We'll yeah. never get that again. And some of the countries in Europe have already already said, look, we're not we're not supporting this. We're still keeping the agreement intact. I think that was France, Germany, pl- uh, people like that. They've even gone as far as to you know condemn it in the public and even create this like system, this like secondary banking system, to where they can kind of bypass the American system and then do transactions directly with Iranian companies so that they don't get in trouble. The problem is, is that that's all just talk. It's all just talk. The the rhetoric from the Obama administration was ludicrous. Of course, these companies, they they don't want to be cut off from the American financial system. They don't want that. They have no choice but to comply. Now, even if you have a country in France that says wants to buy oil from Iran, well, that country, because of how ridiculously huge our reach is financially, they're going to be doing some kind of business with, with, with American companies. Secondary sanctions will then go into effect, and those companies will not be able to deal with those with those organizations anymore. So eventually, those sanctions will hit people if they stay in. Every every organization company knows 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 this. 
everyone, with a few exceptions, will have to pull out as well. So the sanctions will pretty much go back to the way they were when we had everyone signed on. The only difference is, and, and that's what kind of like the subterfuge of some of these European countries. They know this, but they also don't want to say, hey, we lied about it. We support, you know, President Trump. We're just kind of going along with the United States. They're going to have to anyway. It's just that their public face is that they're standing up against us. Yeah. But anyway, so... Uh, it, it, it's a good day. It's it kind of ridiculous that we're the only ones that have to stand up to the world state sponsor of terror. It's, it, it's just insane. Um, and that everyone's kind of pretending and the world's pretending that, you know, Iran's not doing some of these, some of these things. But uh, I, I do believe this will put a lot of pressure on the Iranian regime and we'll see how long. It, last time sanctions went into effect, it was very, very quick. They did have, they did have effects. I, I'm usually very skeptical on sanctions, but like what Iran did actually um, kowtow a little bit. It was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, but I will add, it did, did have international backing and like de jure international backing where that happened last time. Um, I'm, I'm generally skeptical of sanctions. I do think that if they're targeted, they can be useful, in this, uh, targeted to specific people. I think if you, if you target the whole country, I, I, I think it's more likely just to anger everybody in there and make them more anti-American. I don't know that it actually works its way up to the guys at the top. But what you can do, and they might have done in this round, is um, freeze any, any assets that like the top 20 Iranians have in the United States or uh, put a travel ban on them or that kind of thing. But I, like I, if, if it's the whole country, I, I don't know that's going to necessarily have positive effects. Really good, really good point. Because we talked to a guy, Glenn talked to a guy who was uh, talking about like how effective it was to sanction all these Russian oligarchs all at once yeah. and all these Russians. And he that said... That actually pisses them off. It pisses them <laughs> off. And it, it also like, it also, you know, galvanates them together. So he, what he said was, what you should do is you should sanction these groups of oligarchs. Yeah. Give benefits and give opportunities to these sets of uh, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oligarchs. Well, and let them, other, but yeah. put them against each other. Let them eat each other. Yeah, and eventually yeah. that's more effective. So that's a very good point. Mm. All right. Back in a minute. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. Got a lot more to get into, but before we do that, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, iTarget Pro. I am so excited. I got my iTarget Pro in, and we played around with it this weekend some more. It's so fun. Have you heard of this, Graham? Mm-mm. Oh, what my gosh. This? You would love it. I'm going to let fellow military man Jason explain to you what it is, because I don't want to Is it what it basically it. sounds like, a target? Is that what it is? Yes. yes but It's a laser target. There's more. Laser target. There's more. You're about to totally geek out. Okay. Um, so, basically, what it is, is like, you get you get this app, and it's, they get this little target you can set up and set the distance however far you want, but then it uses your own weapon. So, it depends on whatever caliber you are. You have a 9 mil 40 45 or whatever and it screens. gives you like a little like a little round that you actually put in the chamber and it's got like a little pin like where the where the uh, firing pin hits and it shoots a la- it shoots a laser huh. so like every time you put you depress the trigger it like po- it makes a little like laser mark or whatever on on the uh, on the target oh, so man. basically so it registers in it the registers, app right? it registers on the app yeah track of so in, instead instead of just dry firing or whatever if you want to maintain your skills or instead of going to the range and spending you know you know, you know how much ammunition is yeah. it's insane oh, you yeah. can do all this from your house huh. it's awesome I mean, I was literally doing it in my living room. Do the one thing that your TV. parents told you never to do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and not destroying furniture, yeah. so it's great. Yeah, it's a yeah. win-win. Don't shoot that gun in the house. Yeah. <laughs> you can go to uh, itargetpro.com. You can save 10% right now with promo code NEWS. It is absolutely worth the investment, itargetpro.com. Andrew, tell us about the tribes. Yes, uh, Real Clear Politics had a, a fascinating piece out. They've done a lot of polling um, uh, over you know several thousand people, 
And what they came up with was a different way of organizing the voting blocks uh, in this election and right now. Um, I think we've talked before about kind of the, um, you know, the way American politics is portrayed as a 50-50, you're one of two camps type thing. I find that very frustrating. I think it's kind of like if uh, we tried to look at America as 100% Catholic or Protestant, and you're like, but I'm a Jew. And they're like, nope, you're Catholic on tradition, but you're Protestant on, and it's like, no, there's actually yeah. different yeah. ways of doing this. Yeah. Um, so the way that they organized it was they broke it down into five blocks, five tribes that they had, right? The first one, hashtag resistance. You can guess what that is. Yeah. Hashtag <laughs> resistance does We're not like Trump. There. It is hell-bent on the Democrats taking over, very anti-Republican. Um, and then that was about a quarter of the electorate. The other quarter of the electorate was a coalition of two different kind of Republican-leaning groups. There was the MAGA hat people, mm -hmm. um, who are very much in favor of Trump. Not that actually, not that Republican in their mm -hmm. leanings. Uh, they, when they polled them, they didn't find uh, a huge amount of commonality with the GOP itself, but they really liked Trump. And they were joined by the other group of mainline Republicans, who probably going to vote for Trump, uh, probably support him, but less concerned about immigration, uh, more concerned about taxes and religious liberty. That tended to be that group. They were older, whiter, more educated, uh, or more college educated. Uh, and then after that, you had these two other camps that I thought were really fascinating. There was a group called the Detached, who don't have a specific... Uh, it didn't sound to me like they really had an ideological core. It was just they didn't like politics. They didn't like either team at all mm -hmm. uh, and are probably the most apt to not vote because they're so disillusioned by it. Uh, and then the fifth one they what, call... What percentage was that? Uh, it was, I think, like 15% okay. or something like that. Okay. Um, and it tended to be very young. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of young people that just really didn't want anything to do with it. And I, part, part of me sympathizes with it, although it, it didn't, like, in, in anything anti-two-party I'm going to enjoy. But there didn't, <laughs> there didn't seem to be, like, a real coherent... Um, agenda to it. it was, I think it was more of just kind of general disgust. Yeah. Uh, and, then the, and then the fifth group that they identified, they called them um, uh, independent blues. And I think about 20 years ago, we would have called them Reagan Democrats. Uh, and it was a group of people that um, actually sounded very Republican on a number of things. They, like on a policy level, tended to um, favor education and, uh, you know, s some kind of gun control and that kind of thing. But when, when surveyed on, say, political correctness, we're more apt to go with the Republicans and say, I, I think we're too overly politically correct mm. uh, and really didn't like identity politics. Mm. Um, and I, the reason that this matters, the reason I like this is I, I think that the constant hammering that we get from politicians and from the parties that there's two options is for their benefit and not ours. Mm -hmm. We're a lot more complex than that. We're a lot smarter than that. And I like any way of approaching this where we're able to look at different models that reflect that amount of ideas coming out of the American electorate. And it's not just the simple us versus them dichotomy that's portrayed. So weird. Uh, think about back to the last election, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. I mean, I the, what, the, what I thought a Democrat was or a Republican was back when I was a kid, you know, back in the 80s, it's not at all what the definition is now. Mm -mm. So like Donald Trump, he's not, he's not fiscally conservative, even though the GOP has technically been fiscally conservative. Sort of. um, they would at least pretend sort of. to be. They at least pretend to be. supposed to be at least. You know, uh, religious values, you know, like things like that. But Hillary Clinton, uh, so, I mean, she's more of an interventionist, really, than yeah. most Republicans she, are. She could have hung out with McCain. I mean, right. Policy. Like, there, there, there's, like there, yeah, many of her, her, what she is today, which defined the Democratic Party for so long, were like staples on the, on the Republican yeah. side and yeah. vice versa. I mean, the Iraq War is a great example of this, right? I mean, Hillary voted for it and Trump did nothing, almost always complained that it was a terrible thing and they right. shouldn't have done it. She, she also voted to expand a wall back when she was in the Senate. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. There, were, there were a lot of things that actually Oh, we would... can't talk about that. <laughs> we can't talk <laughs> about that. Like, you're talking Bill craziness Clinton now. Was the first one 
one to even bring it up, I think. Operation Gatekeeper down in uh, yeah. down in California. Mm-hmm. Build the wall was like the first, he was the one that brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a big believer in the idea that, you know, that it, these two parties, particularly Republican and Democrat, are just vehicles, right? They're vehicles for whatever, to try to win elections, right? It, it's not, there's not an ideological base. There's not really a coherent thought. I mean, there have been times where there were, but that was just because that was the best way to win that election, yeah. right? And I think like now we see, you know, it very people are like, oh, well, the Republican Party is changing. I don't, I think it's always, it, it's kind of always a mushy sort yeah. of undefinable thing. And yeah. it's, a, it's a coalition. Like we, we, yeah. we, we've, in, in, in Europe, they have elections and then they have coalitions. So they'll have like nine different parties, you know, the Socialist Party, the Lawn Gnome Party, <laughs> they'll all like they'll all form a chunk and they'll they'll form a, a coalition government to rule. In the United States, we don't have that. We've got twenty different tribes that are all kind of vaguely under one banner, and then they figure that out and then go and have yeah. the general election. So they have uh, elections, and then coalitions. We have coalitions, and then we have elections. Historically, just really quick. Historically, it's kind of interesting when you think about when the Whig Party ended up going away. And immigration was a really big, pro- uh, really big sticking point when it did. And I, I think was studio was it the Know Nothing Party? Yeah. Uh, that that was the party that kind of they were the ones that were like real hawkish in immigration, hated immigrants, they hated basically Irish and whatever it was back then. Uh, and then the Republican Party kind of sprang up, and that's the one that you know no one. But I, it's just interesting the same exact issue now. And I wonder if immigration will be the same thing that will lead this split if it ever does. That's a great point, uh, Graham. SNL. I didn't realize people still watched SNL. No, I don't. Uh, the only reason I found out is because this. So this is, uh, you know, SNL has done it again. Saturday Night Live for, you know, those of us that have been around for a while. And as you're introducing this, I think we do have this clip. Okay. Right? All right. Yeah. So uh, they've done it again. So it started off a couple weeks ago with Kanye West. Kanye West comes out and says, you know, they were bullying me in, in the back to take the Make America Great Again hat off and stuff, which is, in my opinion, whatever. It's expected at this point. But this is why what they did this past episode on Saturday night irritates me because now they're going after veterans. Uh, The guy who did it, I don't even know his name because it's not important enough for me to know, but (laughs) the guy he did it to is Dan Crenshaw, a congressional candidate uh, who just so happens to be a wounded uh, veteran who just so happens to be a former Navy SEAL. Uh, Wounded to the point he's wearing an eye patch and everything, and that's what they attack. And, you know, if the, you know, when we see the clip, he even goes as far to say, I know this guy lost his eye in Iraq or whatever or whatever yeah. or wh- wh- what do you mean or whatever this man lost himself for you to go on TV and be an idiot that's what that, that's that's what this guy did the only reason that you're able to be just this incompetent fool on TV is because this man put it all on the line for you to do this 1.3 mi- estimated 1.3 million veterans have paid the ultimate price for us to have our freedoms what ca- CNN even comes on and completely goes oh no you can't say it. do you know how many consecutively wrong decisions you've made for CNN to come on <laughs> and basically say have you lost your mind <laughs> you know you can't you can't do that but but it, it just proves this this utter disconnect that we have with our society and our younger generation I don't know how old this guy is I'm guessing he's in his 20s kind of thing, but this disconnect to realize the only reason that we have the ability to do what we do every single day is because of men and women like Dan Crenshaw. And for you to go on there and mock the very injuries that he has fighting for your freedoms, 
I think it just it just proves that, that that we have a much bigger disconnect within our society above just politics. Yeah. And did you see uh, what Crenshaw responded with? Yeah, I loved his response. Yeah. It was great. It was yeah. great. Actually, let's play that really quickly if we can. I want us to get away from this culture where we demand apologies every time someone misspeaks. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very healthy for our nation to to go in that direction. Uh, you know, we don't need to be we don't need to be outwardly outraged. I don't need to demand apologies from them. They can do whatever they want. Um, you know, it's uh, they're feeling the heat from around the country right now, and that's that's fine. But I would like him and Saturday Night Live to recognize something, which is that veterans across the country probably don't feel as though their wounds they received in battle should be the subject of a bad punchline for a bad joke. And, and here's the real atrocity of all this. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way yeah. you handled yeah, he handled it really, really well. Yeah, because, you know, because when you're in that position, again, this is a guy who's a couple of days before an election, right? Like the temptation for any politician, right, is to say, well, I can take advantage of this. I'll be the victim. Yeah. Exactly. And I love the fact that he rejected that. He was just like, you know what? Look, uh, you know, everyone knows that it was a, a, a really bad moment. And he was, he should, that shouldn't have happened. It was not a good idea. Um, but the idea that he was like, you know what? Like, I don't think we need to be outraged. We don't yeah. need to be calling for apologies and boycotting and all this other stuff. You know, Glenn's addicted to outrage, right? Like, we can reject the outrage and just let this go by. But, you know, it, is, it does at least focus attention on on, uh, on veterans and what they've had to go through. And, and you know, this is, it, it was a silly moment, certainly. Shows yeah. the caliber of the character of Dan Crenshaw, yeah. in, in yes. my opinion. You Absolutely. Know, the, the very man that you're, that, that you're going after responds that way. Yeah. It just shows what kind of a man you're actually attacking. Yes, and uh, he was on radio with Glenn this morning. If you guys want to check it out, you can listen to it on a podcast. Back in a minute. Hey, it's Sarah Gonzalez, and if you like what you're hearing on this program, you should check out the Glenn Beck program. The podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Don't forget, uh, we are all going to be here tomorrow night. We're going to have the regular show, and then we're going to launch into election night coverage. Midterm 2018 should be a really good time. Um, uh, Graham is still going to be here. Mm -hmm. CRTV, we may uh, be joined by some other people as well. And uh, it's going to be a really great time, so we'll see you there. And we'll see you in overtime. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze Premium subscribers. Become a premium subscriber at theblaze.com slash subscribe. Before we get into tariffs, we were just talking offline about uh, voting, and I just wanted to share really quickly. I was so frustrated. I went and early voted, and I took my son with me because I feel like it's very important to show him, you know, this is how the country works. This is what we do, um, and he was very involved in it. And you know, they have the little the little electronic uh, touch pads, and I wanted him to help me like press the you know which mm-hmm. one. So I was trying to show him which one, and a lady came up to me and was just like. Uh, he's he can look, but he's not allowed to touch the pad. And mm. I was just like, okay. Totally so I you. was like, okay, thanks. And yeah. then she, I thought she walked away, and I was like, and she was like, ma'am, I don't want to have to invalidate your vote. Really? Yeah. Look and at her and be like, you can look, but you can't touch the screen. Later. I mean, I just, like, can we not just use that as an opportunity to teach our children? He's not swaying my vote. 
could have been an undercover election. <laughs> he could have been, yeah. He's not voting twice, right? You don't vote so your kid to vote. This is no, your vote. It was my vote. Well, aren't you admitting to voter fraud, right? Like, you're, you're the one of age to vote, not him. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the, you're, you're the one breaking the rules. I think they did the right thing. <laughs> that can call me away now. <laughs> For, former governor of Oklahoma, uh, George, no, Bill Nye. Uh, Bill Nye wants to be married in, uh, buried in McAllister County so we can keep voting. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny. But I just thought, what a dumb rule. I'm just so trying to teach my right to teach my kid about the elections. Come on. Yeah. Anyway, tariffs, Jason. Yes. Uh, it's a perfect hashtag. time to bring back my viral hashtags. Too, hashtag This is the least viral thing of all. Tariffs. Everyone's using it. Something involving cleavage or tariffs. You decided tariffs. You do hashtag T. It automatically populates. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, I've talked about before how how uh, how tariffs are really like it, it's not the way politicians play it off. They always say, "Hey, this is going to hurt you know other countries." When in all you know actuality, it's a, it's a tax. It's a tax on consumers, tax on companies, it's a tax on us. And um, so some is the the August and September numbers are now in for how much these uh, tariffs are starting to hurt us. So um, Trump's uh, the Trump administration's tariffs were about 1.4 billion directed at you know globally steel and aluminum uh, all over the world, and I can't remember it was over like 500 and something million in China on just various goods. 1.4 million total. So the billion, you said, right? one, yeah, billion. Billion. Sorry. So the uh, the total amount of, of cash that cost U.S. companies was four point four billion. Four point four billion. That's what it costs U.S. companies. Now you think about like we just had a corporate tax break. You know that everyone was talking. I was like, oh great, that's awesome. You know, like, great. Would they just cost them? It just completely wiped that out. Four point four billion. That's t- what is that? That's it's over twice of what he's t- saying he's doing to other countries. But didn't didn't we pass out specific times, waivers yeah. to various companies with that explanation to save just a few favored ones from being hit by this? That would help, right? We did initially. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. That's a. Uh, that's it's, it's, that was sarcasm. It's a, I wasn't. No, in favor. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> You're right. It's a tax increase, and and you know it's funny because the way a tariff is is actually put on is you don't tax a country. That's not how yeah. you can't tax a country. It's 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 the the people who pay it are the companies that are U.S. companies that are the importers. They are actually paying the tax, and then of course applying that to the price so that you wind up paying the tax mm-hmm. in the end. You know, it's just, I mean, I think, like, it's just inconsistent, right? I think Trump is so right on the fact that he wants lower taxes. And, you know, he, I, he has said that he gives lip service to the idea. Um, when he was over in, uh, in Europe, he said, I want zero tariffs. Let's just all do zero tariffs. And, of course, there, you know. The Europeans were That'd like, be great. I would love that yeah. reverse from him. Like, I just, all of a sudden we have zero tariffs? Yeah. That'd be great. I just want to encourage that. Like, I just, I just hope that he, you know, because he... He knows he's saying that because he does. He likes you know protectionism. He's talked about liking it before, but he's saying it because he knows the Europeans won't go along with it. So like you know they're calling him out for these tariffs, but they won't go to zero tariffs either. I just hope they just take him up on it. And they're just like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And we all can do that. I think that's the best solution for everybody. I, I don't think it's possible. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, Graham, I, I know that you're a you are a, a Trump advocate. Do you support the tariffs? Uh, well, I, I did. there is no perfect. Anyone, president, right. candidate, yes, anything, absolutely. right? And you are, you're in. We're we're all friends here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I do do I think that when it was all said and done, Trump was the best person for the job? 
given who we had to sure, choose for. Yeah. Yes, I believe that President Trump was the right president for the right time. Do I agree with every policy he has? Do I think he steps over his own feet from time to time, lower taxes, but then you know uh, puts these tariffs on that ends up costing us more money, which eventually will trickle trickle down to cost the normal Americans more? Yes, I, you know, uh, do I agree with everything President Trump says all the time? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, it, it, taking it, the bad with the good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you, you oh, have yeah, you to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you you have to. And yeah. so That's this this is right. one of those things that I agree with you guys. I mean, you know, if you look at the long longevity of things, it doesn't make you, you kind of just zeroed out. Yeah. what you did. Policy wise, I've had no issue with uh, President Trump whatsoever, except, except for the tariff. the tariff thing, and also with the budget. Like I, I, yeah. I don't like you can't cut taxes and, exactly. and not, and cut, not spending. cut spending. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that's a bas- and that's a massive one too. I mean, you know, and, and I, you know, we did we just did this tour, um, and we went to four cities. Uh, you know, people who listen to the show, and and you know, probably. I don't know, 80% of them voted for Donald Trump. Like, you know, most of them were supporters, I would say, when we talked about Trump. They, you know, they like him. You know, they, they laugh at, you know, him tweeting from the, to- the toilet every day. But, uh, you know, like, generally speaking. The best place. Like, yeah, it is a good place to tweet. <laughs> the best place. It's a good place to tweet. Do you tweet, do you tweet from there often? <laughs> I, can't, I, I neither can confirm or deny. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to watch that because, I mean, they, they, you know, that is, I think, it's, it's, it's sort of central to the, 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 the analysis there. People are people and they actually look at, at Trump as an individual and they say okay well he's done some things I really like and some things that I don't like it's not this you get this idea when you watch the media coverage of Trump that everyone's like this you know automatic you know like this robot that just every single policy yeah. if Trump says it then I support yeah. it if Trump says it I support it you know I don't I don't really find that I mean I, I think people you know they make you have to make a cost benefit analysis you know I I'm kind of on Andrew's side I'm like I don't see these Got things one. as yeah that's one, <laughs> one or you're on my side one of the two yeah. okay um, but I'm like, on teams too I don't like the binary choice world I don't yeah. accept it yeah. however I understand a lot of people do and it's probably the most I mean you know most likely 99% of the time this is going to be the the reality so I think people like to vote that way and I and I, I completely understand that you look at these two candidates you say okay he's going to be a lot better than her yeah um so so I can totally I can totally see that I think if Trump on those two issues, uh, could you know, because he's getting no pressure from the right on the budget, and we saw this when we were out on tour a couple times. We were talking about the uh, about the budget and like the effects of it, and the people who voted for Trump, who were supporting uh, him, know that he's not doing a good job on that issue. And Republicans in Washington are not pressuring him on on lowering spending. They're not pressuring him on that. He's not feeling that from the people in Washington. But I think the people in the heartland who, who are the ones to pay the price, whose kids pay the price for these debt problems, do feel it. And they, while they think Trump has done a good job and they're happy about the, that he got elected, that issue, the tariff issue, a couple of others, really are problems, I think, for the average Republican voter. And it's the type of thing that... As a, from a cost-benefit analysis perspective, they're like, okay, I'm glad he's there. He's doing a much better job than we would have ever had out of Hillary yes. Clinton. But can you please address these things? Please, please just reconsider those. Yeah. I was looking at a – of course nerds do this, um, or maybe I just do this. Um, maybe I'm just the biggest nerd. Um, but I was looking at debt-to-GDP to G- debt ratio um, throughout different empires, you know, like the British Empire. Obviously. Um, obviously we all do it. Yeah. 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 I was just doing that yesterday. Yes. That's so I weird. I literally just got <laughs> Was it, was it a state or what were you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so our spending right now is the same of what other empires have d- gone through and then later crashed afterwards. We're spending the same amount of money now that people like the British Empire was spending at the height of when they were battling Napoleon. Wow. It's insane. And that we're doing that in peacetime. 
It's wow. just peacetime, yeah. and we're yeah. spending the same amount of money. Yeah, and I that's say, unsustainable. And Congress is as much or more responsible than Trump is for this particular part of it. That is not the case, however, on tariffs. Well, it kind of is because it's constitutionally supposed to be Congress doing it, but they've given up the authority, and Trump is doing the tariff part on his own. And I, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter who's to blame here. It's, it's something that both of those things need to be fixed, and I wish we could address them. Yeah. Uh, everyone listening or watching, don't forget to use Stu's hashtag tariffageddon. Oh. Uh, Andrew, daylight savings <laughs> time. Uh, we the need devil. to stop this nonsense. The devil. We need to stop this nonsense. <laughs> it happened yesterday. Um, you you may not have noticed it because we all have iPhones now and it just did it automatically. Yeah. But if you were going from state to state, you had to adjust your clock. Um, I've got a, mi- a microwave to yeah, microwaves, yeah. cars. I, can I, I want to dispel, whenever I talk to anybody about daylight savings time, they're like, ah, because of farmers. No, no, no. All, all of my relatives who aren't in prison are farmers. So I know a lot of farmers and they don't, they don't wake up based on when Congress thinks they should wake up. They wake up when the light comes out to like, you know, mow the corn, whatever they do. Mow the corn. Build scarecrows. <laughs> and uh, and they're, they're doing their own thing. It doesn't matter what the time is. Um, the reason that we have daylight savings time is during World War One and then World War Two, the government wanted to coordinate the daylight hours of businesses to try and mitigate the amount of light bulb electricity used so that we could use that coal for the war effort. That's the reason we have daylight savings time. And then in the 60s, we went, you know what, actually, we're going to keep that because we're tired of all the towns having different times now. Now that we have iPhones, we're not all going to revert back to a mirror with a a sundial. It's not going to happen. And uh, I feel like Guam has quit doing it. And I think well, so Arizona, is Hawaii. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona yeah. says it's on the ballot. Your daylight savings time. Places. Yeah. Although, if, if a state uh, decides to quit doing uh, daylight savings time by law, it has to get permission from the Department of Transportation. Really? Uh, but I, yeah. It's, but I don't. What happens with the iPhones in Arizona? Do they do they not change? Yeah. I guess they'll change. Wow. And I think if California on on their ballot decides to get rid of daylight savings, I, I can't imagine that's going to be like an actual standoff. Right. Between, like, the federal government. <laughs> that would be amazing if that's what got California to secede. <laughs> but uh, but but I, but I'm I'm with them. I, I, I vote vote prop anti daylight savings time. I used to love uh, when we gained an hour. Yeah. Like, this was a good weekend yeah. because that was nice. Well, I liked yeah, it. this one's this, good. This, yeah, is, this except, is the pre hangover part. Yeah, this but is the except fun part. when you have kids. Ah, yes. It's like. It doesn't matter. True, true, I'm not, I'm true. not gaining at, an hour of sleep. He's first, still waking me up. I don't like it to it's be daylight at 8.45. Like, it bothers me. I, I don't like that. You know, I, I would much rather it get darker at around, you know, 5.30 or 6, because that's the, you know, signaling towards the end of the day. You want to get him to bed early. Yeah, I don't like, and this is like trauma from the military days. I'm sure you can relate. I don't, if I wake up and it's still dark outside, it instantly depresses me. Yeah. And I get like this sick feeling in my stomach from like PT days. <laughs> yeah. So I like, if it's six o'clock, where is the sun? You know, let, let the sun be up at that point. So I'm off, I, I'm for this time that, that so we're in right now. you just want to stay in I this just time. just stay forever. right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, at this time. And you know, there's, there's kind of a proxy battle actually it happens with daylight savings time because there, I think it's the the Chamber of Commerce, whatever does uh, uh, retail, likes to have likes it to get darker later because they want you to hang out at the mall. Mm. Whereas uh, a lot of television wants it to get darker earlier because they want you to go home uh, and watch TV. Yep, so exactly. It's, we're, yeah. And we're in that business. Yeah. So, so yes, all right. Uh, today's poll question: How much influence do election polls have on your voting behavior? And I think there are several different options there, like the the, po- the polling. If they're going to ask you, what you're going to read a poll? I think I had to I had to decipher this one. I think if you're going to read a, that a poll has Beto ahead, and I mean, you just, and you just wouldn't they, vote. Yeah, they, 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 they yeah. might not be right. a, a drone at that point. Right. You know, oh well, this says Beto's winning. I might as well just. Does that that yeah. affects me because I'm I'm more apt to vote third party. But if and if it's right, but if, if you think, think it's, 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 it's a, if it's a right. slam dunk, yeah. I'm going to vote third party. If it's a tight election, then I, I think I've got a moral imperative to vote. 
vote for the lesser of two evils. So I have a moral imperative to eschew strategic voting. I will never ever cast another strategic vote in my life. I don't. I I mean, the chances of you. It is. I don't want to try to figure out who's. I just want to vote for who I think will do the best job Mm -hmm. over the short term and the long term. You know, you have to look at the entire picture, but you have to do what I think you feel is like morally the right choice. And if you can get to that position, I I just can't do the strategic voting thing. The chances of you actually being the difference in the in the vote is it's much less likely that you will make the difference than you will die on the way to the poll in a car accident. So hey, I, was, you know, I am a, a very bad a, driver, so that's yeah, true. There, there was a county in Dallas that the uh, state rep, it came down to like seven votes. That, that's very, state elections tend to be very tight. So, uh, it's the national election, state elections, like 30 people and make yeah, it. you just yeah. never know. It's still in my hometown of 1,100 people, the mayor came down to one vote. I'm just saying. Wow. Yeah. Go, just was, saying. Uh, it's true. Remember that next time, Steve. I will. Yeah. You know, I, just, I really like the small towns. Comparing tomatoes to oranges and stuff. Have you seen those? Those are great. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in favor of that. Well, like, I would definitely elect Alaska does mayor. that a lot. They listen like, we don't need a mayor. like the cat's mayor. Like, <laughs> I fully support that Alaska. It's, like it's very Ron Swanson. Uh, yeah. So the poll question from uh, Friday was, which of the following policies have the greatest impact on how you vote? 50% of you said immigration. That's a pretty high number. 34% said taxes. 9% said social issues. 7% said health care. Immigration. Immigration. That's what you're saying before. If anything splits the party apart, I think yeah. that'll be the issue. It's immigration. So the moral of this story is always listen to Jason. Yep, I fully agree with that. All right, uh, catch us tomorrow. Don't forget, we're on at a regular time and then on into the night until we figure something out. Forever. Forever. (laughs) And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. 24-hour straight camera shot on us. (laughs) No movement. No speaking. Like what you're hearing? Become a Blaze Premium subscriber and watch the show anytime, anywhere, live or on demand. Go to theblaze.com slash subscribe and start watching today.